Hi, I'm, so I'm Amy, sorry. a recovered compulsive eater. <laughs> so the recording knows too. Um, and, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about um, what it was like and what happened, what it's like uh, today for me. So um, I am, I, I, people used to say this, I don't know if I hear it as much now, a garden variety compulsive overeater. Um, nothing I have done with food is anything that you haven't done. I haven't done anything special with it that, that you also haven't tried. Um, I am, um, uh, there was nothing glamorous about my compulsive eating. Um, I, uh, you know, didn't just eat special foods and not eat others. You know, I, I, I was, um, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a quantity eater, um, and, and so for me, it was the very unglamorous, you know, boxes of cereal and, 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 and bags of, of whatever it was. Um, and, um, um, and it was just, it was just to, to, to fill myself or, or what I, what I thought was the hole that I have, and I'll try to move this. So the hole that I had, yes, I know I'm seeing part of my body here. There are my boobs but is it actually like, I would point to here as that's my hole. I just want to be clear with you that place physically, I think is my diaphragm and it's not my stomach, but I, that to me, I thought it was my stomach and that's what I would try to fill, um, to take the edge off of life. So I'm somebody who finds, um, uh, even though I can show up in such a big way, I find life can be very uh, overwhelming. And, um, and the way I would seek, um, as the big book will say, ease and comfort um, uh, to take the edge off um, and um, to, I guess, uh, in a way, uh, sort of tranquilize or neutralize myself um, was by, by eating compulsively. Um, and I come by it really honestly, you know, my, um, my, in my family, there's compulsive eating In my family, there's alcoholism, um, in my family, there's other kinds of addiction. So I did come by it quite honestly. And, um, and there's not a time I remember where I wasn't eating compulsively. I was always eating compulsively, frankly. Um, and when I was seven years old, I put myself not even being told by my, my parents on my first diet. And as only a seven-year-old can, a precocious seven-year-old, like all my, the way I was precocious, like happened then. <laughs> and then I caught up because I don't, I'm not, I'm not precocious anymore, but I was, and I got out a big poster board and, and all my colored markers. And I wrote, you know, like, this is what I'm going to eat. And it was like, okay, here's what I'm having for breakfast. And here's what I'm having for lunch. And here's what I'm having for dinner. And, you know, I don't know, like 15 years later, that's how I was writing out my food plan for LA. I mean, it was pretty amazing. So at seven years old, and this is what that tells me. I mean, the most important thing about that, what that tells me is I felt like I was too heavy, that I was not enough. I was not like others. I was super tall for my age and ended up being the tallest girl through eighth grade. And I was the tallest person in my schools through fifth grade. And um, um, so I felt bigger. I would describe my friends as my little friends. 
Um, my friends were sort of petite and normal size. They were normal size kids and I was taller and I was fleshier than, than, um, than all of them. And, um, and, and what happened is um, I, I felt, um, I felt different. I felt like I was not enough. And it, it, it's that reminder for me that compulsive overeating is really, you know, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's, it's mental. It's, um, you know, the eating part was the physical symptom of this disease, but the emotional symptom was like, I couldn't, you know, couldn't deal with life. Um, my, my band, if you looked, it was like I, up and down, you know, big emotion swings, um, things didn't go my way and it, 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 and it caused a lot of up and down. Um, and, and the way I was, you, you know, and, and I used food to what I thought helped moderate it. Like, it's hard to know why I used food. Like all I know is something would happen in life, like breathing, like the cheat, you know, I grew up on the East coast, the, the leaves change colors and, and, and it was, you know, a reason, a reason to eat. And at a certain point, um, the turning to food for comfort, um, I, you know, crossed the line when, whether I wanted to eat food or not eat food, I would turn to food for comfort because the mental obsession led to me eating something which caused the physical craving. And once the physical craving happened, that was it there's no, there's no head, there's no decision, there's no anything. It, it's, it's, it is what we do for better or for worse. Doesn't matter how many times I swore up. No, I'm not going to have that. It, it didn't matter because I was already, no human power could have stopped me from, from eating what it was that I was going to eat to help myself. What I thought was feel better. I very, very early on, um, uh, although I may have a little numbness about whatever was going on, the numbness quickly became pain because as soon as I ate, I felt incredible remorse. I hated myself. I hated my body. You know, I was uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, uh, and then I always had, it was the insult to injury. You know, I had whatever it is that was bothering me, even if it was something joyful, that was just hard for me to take in. And then on top of it, I would have all of the self-abuse, which came as a result of eating compulsively. And then also the weight that came with that. So um, it was, I definitely felt like um, I was always on a hamster wheel and like everything, I, nothing I chose was right. Like nothing. I never felt like if I choose this, I'm wrong. If I choose this, I'm wrong. I, 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 I felt boxed in um, and um, and, and my world in being boxed in is really small. This is one of the things that I still have a challenge with, like, it feels safer when I make the world small. And during COVID, you know, I, we, we had to, it was life and death, right? We had to make our worlds smaller. And in some ways that also, uh, that feeds the, that feeds the disease for me because it feels like if I don't make my world small and part of how I did it before was using food to help my, make my world small, um, then uh, you know nothing can hurt me if I'm alone in my room under my covers or in front of the TV eating compulsively, I'm, I'm, I'm safe, right? Except 
of course, you know, what's the prize? Well, the prize is I get to be heavy, feel crappy about myself, completely isolated, not having um, a connected or a relationship um, with, uh, with anyone because the food put a, a wall between me and, and the rest of the world. And then even when the food went away, um, I had the wall, which, which I emotionally had and could only be resolved by working through the steps. So, um, and a relationship with my higher power. So I'm going to, I'm going to do some fast forwarding now, right? So I'm somebody, I couldn't stop eating. I always went, went to the food. Um, and, um, and I remember, and I, um, you know, you know, by the grace of my higher power, um, I was, uh, I was 19 years old and, um, uh, I was in college and, and it was, I was going from bad to worse. I was very depressed. Um, you know, uh, I, I decide my whole sense of who I was, was based on what other people thought of me. So if I got dressed up and no one said I looked good, then I meant like, then I must, I, I'm shit. I can't, but like, why isn't anyone, why, why isn't anyone saying how good? Thank you. I see the 10, uh, you, you know, how good I look. So, um, um, I couldn't stop eating. I was depressed and I was walking around. I lived in New York city and, um, you know, crossing the street, not looking at what the light says, I just total, I just, what was not in my body at all. And it felt like, I don't know, everything I felt like I suddenly had really just gotten into a real daze. And um, OA actually had been suggested to me by a friend of the family in a pamphlet. I thought it just was too much and it mentioned God and I was not, that was, no, I was 17. I was, that was in a pamphlet, no thank you. Um, and 19, um, I, I was working with somebody who kindly suggested, hey, you may want to try, you know, I don't know, go to an OA meeting. Um, and, um, and I went on her suggestion and it was this, um, I don't know, you know, if anyone here was in New York in, and in program in the, um, in, the 19, uh, in the 1980s, there was a, a group called York 11. It was on um, 74th and York Street. And it was this huge meeting, like 120, 150 people, standing room only, men, women, like I was, wow. I lasted for 15 minutes. It was the scariest place I'd ever been. I could not, be, like, what? Um, a man was talking, what? A man with this disease? Like, I was out of there. Um, and um, and uh, a few months later, in, in February, actually, of 1986, um, I, I crawled back. And, um, uh, and I, I started at a meeting on uh, 96th in Amsterdam at, the, um, uh, at a church there. And it was a, a, a room that was like a 12-step room, like all the church had dedicated it, had sort of given it to uh, program. And it was like wall to wall, live and let live easy does it one day at a time, all the slogans were all over and, and, and it was NA meetings and AA meetings and oh, just every kind of meeting. And, 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 and that's where, um, when I came, um, I, my ears were open and, um, I heard, um, I heard that this was, uh, I heard people saying things exactly how I felt 
them uh, and, and was like, how did you know this about me? You know, that's what I was thinking in my head. How did they know this about me? And, um, and, uh, uh, and I got a sponsor there and that started my journey. And fortunately for me, um, and I would just say completely by the grace of my higher power, I have absolutely no idea why, but a couple of weeks later, um, which was February 15th, 1986, started my abstinence date. Um, and uh, I guess math wise, I don't know, what is that? I, I don't even know the math when it put me about 35 years now. Um, and, um, and it's a day at a time. So what happens in 35 years? Well, um, I've officially um, been in a program of recovery longer than I ha have not been, right? I was 19 when I came in. Um, and, um, um, so I grew up, I had a lot of growing up to do a lot of growing up. So once the, once, uh, I wasn't using food to anesthetize myself, um, I had to face what was, uh, happening in me. Um, and, um, and it became a, you know, as always, it's, it was still, there was a physical journey and there was a, an emotional journey and a spiritual journey. Um, I knew, and, and when I started in OA, there was no AA, uh, excuse me, OA literature. Um, so I was using, and I still have, and I travel with my first 12 steps and 12 traditions, which is my, in my AA book and my notes from meetings were in that book from, you know, 1986 and 1987. It, it just was really cool for me to see um, as far as a big book. Um, I've actually, I think I gave my original big book to somebody. I, I um, uh, but those were the two pieces I had. I mean, I was in meetings when we got copies, uh, photocopies, uh, not, not even formatted of, oh, here's the OA 12 step. You know, I was being passed around meetings. So um, I come from uh, a place that is really, thank you, Sandy, um, uh, is really about, um, for me now, uh, working my program um, is, is about living it. Um, I, am a, uh, I pray and meditate every day. I See, so here's the thing. We have this called, thing called the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which really... It, it, it's our, that's, that's my, that's my blueprint for living. And from that, I am given a set of instructions on how to live my life a day at a time. And it starts, my instructions start by understanding the exact nature of this disease that I have. So I need to understand that it is a disease that is, um, has not only a mental obsession, right? It's not just uh, something going on in my head, but there's a physical part to it as well. And in that physical part, and they say that really the only way to not have that physical craving is through abstinence. And it's funny, right? They call it abstinence in the AA big book and, and they mean total abstinence, not having anything, but you know, we have to, we have to eat to survive. So, you know, we have a little bit of a twist uh, uh, on that, but it still, it still works the same. And um, yes, I will put my phone number in the chat and I'm happy to hear from anyone, by the way. Um, 
And what I have found um, is I, I have an understanding of this disease of, and what it means to me. And then I also must understand the nature of this disease is such that no human power could prevent me from eating compulsively, which means I must turn to a power greater than myself. And even if I just have a crack of understanding that I need to go to that power, uh, to a power greater than myself, that is actually enough of a crack to actually open the door fully and to be able to experience relief from the bondage of self. And that relief comes through working the other pieces and the other, the other steps. So, um, you know, in step three, I learned that I have to turn my will and my life over. And that doesn't mean it's, it's a decision. I just have to say, yeah, what I'm doing isn't working. I'm going to need something else. That's the extent of it. And then the something else is let me work steps four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. But then I take myself through that whole process, doing the inventory, admitting it to somebody else because I'm as sick as my secrets. So I'm going to share that story um, and uh, t- uh, turn over to myself, to, to admit it to myself, to another human being, <clears throat> to my higher power. Then ask my higher power and become willing and then ask my higher power to remove all the defects <laughs> of character to then really make it so that when I'm walking on the street and if I see somebody who I've known any time in my life, I'm not afraid to cross the street. And that's what I do when I'm making amends. I'm keeping my side of the street clean. I'm making it so I can hold my head high so I don't have to be afraid of who I am or what I'm hiding because I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not hiding it anymore. And then I get to, and uh, I love step, love, love step 10, because step 10 gives me an opportunity on a daily basis. And it says, I continuously, I continuously and constantly, I take inventory. I look to see where any of those things which are the precursors, like the resentment, dishonesty, selfishness, self-pity, if fear, if any of those things are popping up in my day, I need to quickly do an inventory. And I did it by hand. You don't have to do it by hand. I can say this is happening and I make a phone call because if I hold on to those things, those things are going to lead me back into and fuel the mental obsession once more which will then lead me to taking that first bite. And as we all know, a thousand bites are not enough and one bite is too many. Thank you. And so um, for me doing a daily 10th step, a spot check 10th step, spot check 10th step has has created such a transformation on a daily basis. So that's something I work on daily. And I also do an 11 step daily. And that means for me, prayer and meditation. And I do it because it's in the directions. I don't do it because I'm trying to be a a yogi. 
I don't do it because I'm, you know, trying to like, I don't know, levitate all over the rest or because I'm a saint, because I is easily doing my prayer and meditations morning. I can get in the car and have a whole lot of road rage right after that. But the point is at some part of my day, and I also, of course, have the opportunity to do it anytime in my day where I get to pause and I make time to have a relationship with my higher power. Now, this is such a program of action because it's you do each step and they go, wait, but there's more. And then they go, wait, but there's more because it's action and more action because this disease is so alive and well in us that it takes a lot of action for me at least to counter how how compelling it is, how, how omnipotent it can be, but it's not more powerful than my higher power, which means I need to do all the things that I can with the help of my higher power to stay connected. And one thing that does that more than anything is service and working with another compulsive overeater in particular, because step 12, working with others says, Working with someone else, another alcoholic, another compulsive overeater helps when nothing else can. And on page 60, I think it's page 63 or 64, when we're still doing our fourth step and it talks about our sex inventory. And, it, and, and if instead of sex, you use relationship or you use food, say if food becomes particularly troublesome, we throw ourselves the more into helping someone else being of use, because that will help us turn, uh, avoid calamity and help us that rapacious creditor that that's written in the, um, and actually the AA's um, step one uh, in the 12 and 12, it helps us meet calamity with serenity. And so when I get asked on a Friday from somebody who I don't know, over text from California that says, we need somebody to speak tomorrow. And it's nothing on me to do that. My answer is yes. And when they say, hey, can you speak and also go be the secretary? The answer is, of course, send me the format. And if I didn't get the format, I'd make one up. Because Here's the thing, I don't get to keep it unless I give it away. How did, how did Bill not drink? He was the beautiful lights, the bar, it was so attractive, people are laughing. Boy, he just was like, I'm, I'm gonna go in there. And instead he went to the phone booth and he picked up the yellow pages or whatever the directory was. And he called, he, you know, asked, Talk, talk to clergy. Where are the drunks? Because even if it doesn't help you, I'm sorry to say, and this is when it gets selfish, it helps me. And it means that maybe, just maybe today, I will get my daily reprieve and not have to eat compulsively. And if I don't eat compulsively today, then maybe, just maybe, I will connect with my higher power and I will be able to lead a happy, 
uh, at, at joyous and free life. And by the way, I want freedom more than any single thing. I want to be free from the bondage of self. And the only way that gets to happen is as I stay in touch on a regular, but constantly, all over the big book, continually, constantly, quickly, it's action and more action. And that's what saves me from myself. So um, I'm super grateful to have the opportunity, you know, you know, here I am, I, you know, I'm with my dad, my dad's a compulsive eater, you know, um, he does not take in good care of himself right now in his 80s. And I'm like, you know, he had gone into pr program at one point, but he didn't stay. And like, there but for the grace of God go I. I, I, do, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I want to be mobile. I want to be active. I, I want, I want to be free. So um, I am really grateful that I was um, asked to touch base. Nothing like not being at home to remember no matter where we go, like the disease comes with us. I'm always reminded, I always have to have room for my big book and my 10th step writing thing because somehow the disease always finds room in my suitcase. So my recovery also has to find room in my suitcase and, and, in, my, and in my heart, right? And in, in my spirit. So, so grateful to be here. Um, thanks.